Today's Bible reading is from Psalm, chapter 88. It's on page 478 of the Church Bible. Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night, I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I'm overwhelmed with troubles, and my life draws near to death. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm like one without strength. I'm set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit and the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I'm confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord, every day. I spread my hands out to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do the spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth, I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long, they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me my friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Maria. If you can keep your Bibles open to Psalm 88. Over the summer, we've been going through the Psalms. Um, and like the Bible, um, it has great praises, but it also has parts like this, um, lamentations. Uh, so let's pray that God will speak to us through these words. Lord, we thank you so much for your word that it's living and active and sharper than two-edged sword. And Lord, we pray that it will, uh, you will speak to us through these words. It will shape the way that we think. It will shape our words that we might have voice to speak back to you with these words. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Martin Marty is a professor emeritus in the University of Chicago uh, in the Religious History Department. He was married to his wife Elsa for about 30 years. But he had to watch her shrivel to death uh, towards the end of her life. In her final months, she was just taking medication to relieve pain, palliative care, to relieve uh, from nausea. In those last days, they had agreed to read the Psalms to each other together at the end of the day. He was going to read the Psalms uh, that are even-numbered Psalms, and she was going to read the odd-numbered Psalms. But on this particular day, on this particularly difficult day, uh, Marty came to Psalm 88, and he just couldn't do it. He just couldn't read Psalm 88, and you can understand why. So he recounts this uh, in, uh, the exchange in his book. She noticed it, and she asked, what happened to Psalm 88? Why did you skip it? I don't think you could take it tonight. I'm, I'm not sure if I could. No, I'm sure I could not. He said, Elsa asked, please read it for me. And so he did. I cry in the night before thee. My soul is full of trouble. Thou hast put me in depth of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. 
And then she answered, I need that kind the most, she answered. Psalm 88 is the darkest psalm in the entire Psalter. And we can understand why Professor Marty wanted to skip over it. The entire psalm is dark and it doesn't offer any hope. It doesn't offer any praise. Take a look. In verse 3, he's overwhelmed and he's close to dying, he says. Verse 4, he didn't yet die, but he, he doesn't have strength. He doesn't have any strength. He, do, he can't go on. Verse 5, he feels that he's been set apart with the dead already. He's like the living dead, cut off from God's care. He's isolated, verse 8. You've taken away from me my closest friends, said, and, and he's been made repulsive to them. And think about that. This was Israel. Israel is honor and shame culture where people define themselves in relationship to other people. He's not just a nobody. He's been made repulsive to them. Think about the psycho, psychological and social pain that he's, he might have ex- experienced. People don't know exactly what he was going through. Some speculate that he was going through leprosy. You know, there's a physical care, a physical pain. But not only that, he's been made repulsive. I don't know if you've seen a leper. It's, a, it's not, I, I thought maybe I could put a picture up. I just couldn't, I, like I couldn't do it because it was just too, it's too repulsive to put the picture to, for you to see it. The Bible tells uh, the, those who are leprous uh, to be cast outside of its, its city. They're isolated socially, psychologically. And he can't see the point of it all, verses 10 through 13. He questions God's wisdom, perhaps his goodness. He goes, why? Why are you doing this to me? Why do you cast me aside into the land of the dead? People don't praise you when when they're dead. If you go to cemetery, there's just silence. Why am I suffering, God? Why do you put me there? And this wasn't some momentary blip in his life. He's been suffering for many years. Verse 15, since the days of my youth. And on top of this, he can't shake off the feeling that it's God who's doing it. If you look at verses 6 through 8, look at the direct accusations that he makes to God. God, you put me into the lowest pit Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me. You've taken my closest friends away and have made me repulsive. And it's not like he hasn't been praying. He's been praying. Verses 1 and 2, day and night he cries out to God. Verse 9, he prays every day. Verse uh, 13, he's doing it again. In the morning my prayers rise before you. Why, God, don't you answer? He's been met only with silence. And it's a dark psalm. In Hebrew, the last word of Psalm 88 is darkness. That's how it ends. How are you today? We unthinkingly often answer, I'm fine. When I was learning English, that's how I was taught to answer, how are you? I'm fine. And you? But of course, many of us are not fine. There are times in life when we shouldn't be fine. Right? Failures, breakups, miscarriages, cancer, deaths, divorce, unanswered prayers, injustice, loneliness, isolation. These are part of our lives. And when you're going through it, well, we're not fine. But often in churches, we feel that we have to say that we're fine. Because we get the impression that there's something wrong with our faith if we're not fine. 
if we're not praising and joyful. If there is this picture of reality, we sometimes have, think that we have to put a smiley sticker over it. Or sometimes in church, we think we make it feel like it's almost sinful, sinful to be not fine, sinful to ask God why he's doing the things that he's doing, uh, to, to lament and to protest against God. We can give the impression that since God has given us his son, we should always just be praising him. We should always be thanking him. You know, it's like a husband giving the best gift, I don't know, a big diamond ring or something, and you just expect the wife always to be happy from then on. Well, that's not reality, is it? Friends, God knows sometimes we're not fine. And God wants us to be honest in our relationship with him, in our worship to him, because that's what he made us for. He made us to have a relationship with him. And to let us know that we can be sad, to let us know that we can, be, uh, uh, we can be frustrated and angry, even question his love, his justice. He has put Psalm 88 in the Psalter, in the book, in the Bible. This is divinely inspired word of God given to us as a gift. You see, most of this Bible is God speaking to us, but Psalms, John Calvin says, is a way, us, a way for us to speak back to God. These words in Psalm 88 are to shape our words, how we speak back to God. Of course, in there, in the Bible, there are a lot of praises, and we'll see that. But with Psalm 88, he's given us the permission to protest, to question his purpose, question his justice, his sovereignty, his goodness even. And of course, it's not just this psalm. Two-thirds of the book of psalm has some kind of lament in it, right? Two-thirds. Laments are encouraged. It's not sinful to express to God how we feel. So friends, if you're going through one of these moments, if you're going through an experience so painful, you don't understand why it's happening, you can't get the answer to it, it's okay to speak back to God the words of lament and protest. When you find it difficult to praise God, it's okay not to. We don't disappear. You know, I don't know if you've uh, met somebody so big, some, such a big personality or something like that, and you meet this person. Uh, they're the ones who do all the talking. They're, they're the one uh, uh, that sort of swallows you up. Well, God's not like that. We don't disappear in God's greatness. In God's greatness, what he does is he comes down to our level and he asks, how are you? Right? He listens to us. So friends, do praise God, but when you feel unable, it's okay to lament. You know, and there are times in life where actually sometimes it's, people can't even protest. People can't even get the words out to protest. Often people who go through severe depression feel this way. The problem with severe depression is not uh, just sadness, it's apathy. You don't, just, you don't feel anything. You don't want to do anything. You just don't have the energy to do anything. I had a friend um, who wrote a book, who went through uh, clinical depression. She's a, a minister as well, Ang- an Anglican minister. She wrote a book about her experience. She tells of this time when she actually, a long stretch of period of time uh, where she just couldn't do anything and she had to rely on the, the strength and faith of her family. They took her to church. Uh, in the Anglican um, 
uh, sort of discipline. There's morning and evening prayer, and they read through the Psalms in the morning and evening prayers. And she just read through. She mumbled those words. And then she looks back. She says, that was the time. That became her voice, her prayers back to God. These were the voice. This was the, these are the words that God gave her so she can protest, she can pray back to him. So go and read these words when you feel unable because God wants you to speak these words back to him. And also, I think you might not be going through this sort of thing, but when you might know people who are going through this time, and I think this, these psalms also offer some um, helpful advice on how to care for those people who are going through it. And one thing that I want to say is, through the psalm, don't easily explain and instruct and answer why they're going through what they're going through. Don't, so, don't be so quick to say things like, maybe God is doing this so that you could blank. Right? Sometimes doesn't have an answer. Sometimes you can't find the answer. Remember Job's friends? How one by one they came to Job and offered an answer. Not only were they wrong in their answers, they added to Job's distress. Right? They added to Job's pain because of it. In fact, uh, so be careful to go to someone who's suffering and offer an explanation instruct them how to get out of that situation. Don't be too quick to offer advice. In the words of theologian Walter Brugman, he says, pain does not need to be explained. It needs to be honored and answered. It needs to be honored. What it means, I mean, what does it mean to honor the pain? Well, it means at the very least acknowledging the pain. To say, actually, this, is, this must be really difficult. I can't, I can't imagine what you are going through. It's entering in that pain and acknowledging that the pain that they're going through. And answering doesn't need to be an explanation. It doesn't need to be in words. It just needs, it could be a hug. It could be you sitting with that person. Honor and answer. So with this psalm, I want to say, look, when you are going through times like this, do lament, do protest, do moan towards God. And if you know people who are going through it, sit with them. Sit with them in their pain. Be with them and honor and answer their pain in that way. The Bible gives us that permission. But make sure that you are lamenting, not complaining. There's a difference, isn't there? I, I think in the Bible, the context of the Bible, I think the difference is that laments are prayers, prayers of anguish and despair and protest, the things that are said back to God. And complaints might look exactly alike, but it's directed to other people and it just ends there. You know, we complain about things all the time. We, we get in the times of self-pity. We go to our friends. We have the urge to tell people how we're heartbroken or how we're sad or how we've been betrayed or whatever. And maybe this is an American side of me. I think this is a good thing. I think we shouldn't hide our feelings. We should tell other people about our feelings. You know, sometimes when you don't say anything, these negative emotions get bottled up in ourselves and it affects us in different ways we don't even recognize so I think it's good that we tell other people about how we're feeling. And he, it's usually cathartic to have somebody really listen to you, to really hear you. 
But if it just ends there, and if that's all you do, you're going around one by one and complaining about what's going on with your life. Actually, sometimes it doesn't help. Sometimes it magnifies the complaint. It actually makes things worse. The psalmist here isn't complaining. I hope you can see the difference. He's praying. We can imagine him standing and kneeling and weeping and wondering and waiting to hear from God. He's praying. He's addressing God in his complaints, right? Lord, you are God who saved me. I cry out to you for help. Why, Lord, do you reject me? You see, laments are prayers. And as such, because they're prayers, they're faith in action. They're how to put that faith in God into action. Because this is what the psalmist is doing. Think about it. He's gone through this experience that he cannot be explained, right? An evil that cannot be explained. He doesn't understand why this is happening, despite that he's going back to God. Despite the fact that day after day, year after year, God is silent, he's going to God. Despite the fact, here's the kicker, he thinks that he knows that God is the one who has done this to him on some level. Right? That God is the one who brought this evil upon him on some level, and he goes back to God. You know, he's, what he's doing is he's putting his faith in action. He's saying, God, you are good. You are just. You are love. Despite all of this, I know that that is true, and so I come to you and cry to you for help because you wouldn't go to a dictator. You wouldn't go to an evil person with these things because they'd laugh at you. But as you go to God, what you're saying to God is, God, you are good. You are just. You are loving. It's faith in action. It's prayers are faith in action. As you know, my family, uh, we just had a vacation in the U.S. and we came back. Um, It's a wonderful trip. It was a wonderful trip. One of the most difficult things about traveling with the toddler is the nights. I mean, it's hard enough to get him to sleep through the night when he's at home. But imagine, you know, we're in Washington, D.C., 12 hours, the complete opposite, right? And with the travel and different beds and, and things, it was just really difficult. So when we came back, we were determined to sleep train Barney one more time. And if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. If, you, if you're not a parent, this might sound really cruel to you, but this is what you do. We've done a couple times, and it has worked before when he was a little baby. What you do is when they start crying, when he starts crying, you comfort him. You do a right nighttime routine. He cry, and you leave. He starts crying. After seven minutes, you come back, comfort him. After 10 minutes, you come back, comfort him. After 13 minutes, you comfort him. Again and again, you do this. And in time, they, he just gets exhausted and he falls asleep. And the next day, the time that he cries, it shortens a little bit. And they, in time, he gets sleep trained to sleep by himself. And so we were determined to do this because it was so difficult to travel with him um, in the U.S. But this time, it was much harder because Barney's older, and he cries louder, and he understands things much more. And so, I mean, Mary didn't even want to attempt. I, I was like, no, this is happening. And so I did this, um, and I just couldn't do it, really. The first time, I let him cry for 10 minutes or whatever, and I came back, uh, and he just threw a fit, and I went out, he started crying again. 10 minutes, I came back, and he just 
and when I came back, he looked at me with this look of disgust, <laughs> right? Like, why? I know you're out there. I know you can come in and help me. Why are you not doing this, right? He looked at me, and then he came up to me, and then he went to the far corner of the room, stared at the wall, and started to cry. Face mad, red, livid, right? But then despite the fact that he knows that I did this to him, after a few minutes, he did come back. I did pick him up, and he started just, pounding my chest, my arms. He just started physically abusing me. But you know, it would have broken my heart if he never came back to me. If he never came back and protested in that way. Friends, that's what faith looks like sometimes. Right? Faith looks like a protest. It's coming back to God and pounding him with our baby fist, crying big tears and asking God, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this to me? But faith is coming to God in this sort of situations. It is praying with huge tears when we don't understand what's happening. You see, silence Walking away, not addressing God at all, that's the end of faith, isn't it? It's not the protest. It's the silence. It's the alienation. That's end of faith. So continue coming to God in times of praise. But at times when you're hurting, come to him. I told you earlier that in Hebrew, the last word in this psalm is darkness darkness. Often, often darkness seems definitive, like that something, it's something that will last forever. But let me tell you the good news. Darkness in God's world does not have the final say. It doesn't even have the final say in this book, in, the, in this book of Psalm. If you scan over, if you have your Bibles open, um, scan over to Psalm 90. Because you'll see that Psalm 90 begins book number four within the book of Psalms. I don't know if you knew this, but book of Psalms is divided into five different books mimicking the Pentateuch. And what it is, is the editor who's compiled this actually put it together with a purpose, with a, with a, with a message that runs throughout the book. And you see, the first three chapters introduce the problem Uh, that's where the lament psalms are found. Laments and protests are mostly found in books one through three. And book number three is the lowest point. If you have any doubt, beginning of uh, book number three is Psalm 73. If you go there, it'll ask the question, why is the wicked prospering? Why, God, aren't you doing anything? And you see, Psalm 88, 89 is the lowest point. But as we turn to uh, book number four and five, from Psalm 90 and on, thanksgiving and praise become the dominant theme of these psalms. If you turn to almost any single psalm in book five, it's just praise. It's just praising God. You see what he's saying? I mean, you've, you've heard this in the last couple of weeks. We preached from Psalm 100 and 103. 100 said, shout for joy, the Lord, the, all the earth. 103, praise the Lord my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Almost any psalm in book five is like this. You see, the book of psalm overall carries this message, 
There are many reasons in life where, why we will protest and lament. There are many things that will cause us suffering. And there are times when God will seem silent. But darkness in God's good world does not have the final say. In the end, God will come. And God will meet our needs and our tears will turn into praise. That's what we see in the book of Psalm. And that's what we see in the overall, the Bible. Remember, darkness does not last forever. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. John 1.5. The book of Psalm, indeed all of the Old Testament point to the Messiah the light of the world who will come and who will be the everlasting light. And that Messiah came in Jesus Christ. And because of Jesus, because of his life, his death and resurrection, we know that things are transformed. We can look forward to the final chapters of the Bible. final chapter of the Bible is Revelation chapter 22, where we read this promise. No longer will there be any curse The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face. His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of the lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. What Psalm 88 reminds us is that sometimes life does not always have a happy ending here on earth. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? Well, our Lord Jesus said something very similar in his dying moments. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But that was Good Friday. And the Easter came. So friends, when you suffer, don't stay silent. It's okay to cry. It's okay to cry out to God. It's okay to protest. It's okay to lament. Such prayers are act of faith in the moment that you are in. And make sure that you direct those words to the loving Father who is near you. And he will come and say, as he says in Revelation 22, Yes, I'm coming soon. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you in the context of this broken world where sin and death, injustice reign. We see it in our lives. We see it in the city of Hong Kong. So we come to you. We cry out to you. Lord, we pray that in our distress, in our pain, you would meet us, that you would answer our prayers, that even when you are far away, when you feel far away, Lord, we pray that we'll come to you in faith. We'll be a church that cries out to you, to our loving Father. And Lord, we pray that we'll always be a church that hopes, hopes in the good news that you've given us through Jesus Christ that there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more darkness, that indeed you are coming soon. Help us to look to you and hope in you. We pray these things in Jesus' name.
Amen.